Hey, this is Madeline. And I'm Abby. And you're listening to your Lucky You're Cute. Welcome to the show. Hello. Welcome back to a solo episode. It's just Madeline this week. Abby is having a bit of a busy week, so I thought I would take it over. And I do have some exciting updates for you guys. I got an email this Sunday from my guide dog organization that I've been working with. And they said, we're getting a batch of puppies in, literally like a batch of cookies, but a batch of puppies for Monday. We have one that is personality matched for you. We think you'd be a great fit. Would you be prepared to take a puppy in the next 24 hours? Of course I email back and I'm like, absolutely. I'm so ready for a puppy. And before this, the plan had been for me to get a puppy from Maine that was a little bit older, was raised by a starting raiser that had her for the first five, six months, but she was with an older woman, and this older woman was having a hard time giving her up. So they switched gears, found me a new puppy that they also think I would get along with, and now the plan is for me to get this one. So I get the address of the woman's house that I'm supposed to drive to because the puppy's coming in from New York. That's where their headquarters are. That's where they raise all the the litters. I drive out to this house. It's They said that she's getting there at 8 o'clock at night. Can I be there for 8 o'clock at night on a Monday? And I said, no, I teach dance class. I get out at 8. The earliest they're going to be there is between 9 and 9.30. And that's me booking it there. And they said, no problem. We just don't want to keep her the night because they already have a lot of dogs in their house. So like, if you could come and get them before the morning, just get them that evening, that'd be wonderful. So I can barely focus the entire day I'm working on Monday because I'm so excited about the dog. Then I have to go teach a dance class and I'm like talking to my girls and I'm just so excited about getting the dog and I can't even focus properly because this is just so exciting for me. Drive an hour and a half to go find this dog and I get there and my region leader is staying there holding a puppy and she's got a little toy in her mouth and she said, this one's for you. And I just looked at her and I, I told the puppy, I was like, you and I were going to be best friends. And the woman laughed at me and my, I told my sister that after. And she's like, you're so weird. Like, you always say the weirdest things. So I was like, okay, but I meant it. Like, the puppy needed to know we were going to be best friends. She hands the puppy to me and I'm like, oh my God. First of all, too young to be a mother. Can't believe that they're just handing me a dog. It's a baby. It's a baby. It's just a baby. I'm just a baby. So... I texted my, my mom and I was just like, they just handed me a dog and said, this one's for you. Good luck. And now I'm a dog person. I'm still like, oh my God, I now have to keep this animal alive. Anyway, she's lovely. She's a three month old, as of yesterday, her three month old birthday, yellow lab. Her name is Quartet. She's playing with her Kong over there. I put her, she's three meals a day because she's a puppy right now. So what, um, Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right now she's having lunch. I put it in a Kong and I froze it. So she's really having to work for it right now while I can get some work done. Cute as a button. I was fully prepared for the first night we got her to not be able to sleep through the night at all. Like I thought she was going to be barking every hour, wanting to go out because I had no idea what her schedule was like. To me, she's like super small. Slept through the whole night. No problems. Very quickly learned that she likes her belly rubbed. That's her spot. She was... She's very hyper. She's definitely the most hyper dog that I've gotten from Guiding Eyes before. So 
the only way to like chill her out is to like lay her on her back and just rub her belly. That's the only time she's mellow. Other than that, she's running around like a crazy person. We've been doing pretty good for potty training. We've only had one accident in the last three days, so knock on wood, but I'm pretty proud of myself for that. She knows her name and she knows sit. We are working on the jumping and the biting and the chewing. That's a work in progress. Right now, I'm hoping to tire her out a little bit with that Kong toy, and then I'll go work with her outside in a bit and work on some skills and leash walking, but I feel like she needs to be tired for that first, otherwise she's just be bouncing around, so hopefully this tuckers her out. I thought it'd be fun for me today to explain to you guys a little bit about the process of guide dog racing, because it's something I'm really passionate about. I think it's really interesting. It's not something that's widely talked about. There's a lot of intricate things to it, and... Can you hear her drinking water? Hi, babes. You want to come say hi to the podcast? She's sitting right next to me now. Hi. Say hi, quartet. Oh, no jumping down. Okay, hopefully she just chills. Oh, no, down. So I've been raising since 2012. I started in middle school with my mom. We were looking for some community service to do as a family, and my mom and I are both really passionate about working with dogs. So we first looked into doing um, an exchange with prisons, and like they have the the prisoners would have the dog during the week, and we have the dog on the weekends, and it's supposed to be like rehabilitating for them, Um, and then gives back to charity because you're giving a trained service dog. We decided that's not the route we wanted to go. Then we looked into autism dogs, which were Bernie's mountain dogs. But they had a a really in-depth training, and we didn't feel like that was what we wanted to do. We wanted something a little bit more family-oriented, something that we could all be involved in. And the the Bernie's mountain dogs were really one-person oriented. So then we found Guiding Eyes. And our first dog that we got was Dina. They had us go through puppy training classes before we got the dog. And I think we did that for six months before we were actually fully trained enough to get ourselves our own puppy. So Dina, we had for a year and a half. Um, I would raise her with my mom. We would take her to school, take her to soccer and Wherever we went after practice, I did ballet and nutcracker, so she would come to a, with us to nutcracker practice. Sweetest dog, so serious, very serious dog. She passed the program, which is awesome, and she is now a working guide dog in Hong Kong. Although, she's about 10 years old now, so I'm pretty sure she's retired. They only work for like six years, and then it's a stressful job for them, so they need to retire early. Then in high school... I got another dog again with my mom, but this time I was the primary raiser and my mom was the secondary because I wanted to raise one for A, because I love the program, and B, because it would look good on my college apps. But it's not something that is feasible to take on entirely yourself as a high schooler just because of your schedule. So it's definitely my mom took her during the day and I had her after school and doing classes on the weekends with her. Dog classes, not school classes. I actually got an award from President Obama for doing charity work in high school, so that was pretty cool. I've got that um, signed 
certificate somewhere. Kind of fun, especially as like a high schooler, it's a big deal. So Patience was a little anxious working. She would, we would take her out of the car and she would refuse to walk. She would start shaking. You'd put her vest on her and she would flinch and you could just see that she was so unhappy. And they, we were going on vacation, so they transferred her to a more experienced racer because this was only our second dog. And some people have like 12, 15 dogs under their belt. So they transferred her to a more experienced racer to see if they could figure out what was going on with her and why she was so anxious. So at a year old, they decided to send her in for her training exam, which is like the SAT of the dog world to see if she can go in for training and go to puppy college. Normally, they don't do this until a year and a half to two years. So she was young for it, absolutely, but they wanted to see how she was doing with her skills with like the people that like can tell if they're a good guide dog or not. Like she was really going to like the top of the top to, to get tested. And there's this recording of her doing her exam and she does all of her skills so well. She knows everything. She knows she can walk on surfaces. She can sit. She knows down. She can walk nicely with her handler. She knows everything she needs to know. But you can just tell that this dog is so stressed. Like she's like, she knows everything. She's so smart. She can do everything that's asked of her. But she's just shaking. And at the end, she pees in the middle of the floor, which is like a sign that she's overwhelmed. So, and you can just hear when that happens, everyone just like in the room just like goes, oh no, because they were all rooting for her because she is so smart and she does know her stuff, but she just doesn't want to do it. She just gets anxious. She failed out and we're on vacation as a family and we get this phone call saying, we can't keep her as a guide dog. We don't think she'd be a good working dog just because she gets nervous out in public and we think that she'd be an amazing pet. Do you want her? Of course, like my family knew like going into this that like our goal was to have her pass and become a guide dog, but this dog is just the sweetest thing ever. So we absolutely said yes and we couldn't wait to have her as a pet and now she's been in our family for eight years and she lives with my mom and she's just the sweetest thing ever, the best dog. She's so sweet. She's so smart. She's so sassy. She's literally my best friend. Love her to pieces. I think it all worked out the way it was supposed to. So how guide dog raising works is you get them from about eight weeks old is the youngest you can get them. Um, Like I said, Quartet is three months old. She's a little bit bigger, but they all come from New York. That's where their headquarters are. It's like a college campus just for dogs. That's what it looks like, like a small college campus, but all dog themed. They have different litters that are coming out all the time. They've got a bunch of breeding dogs and they'll get a batch of puppies and then they'll start looking through their potential raisers list and start personality matching them with different raisers in different regions. I'm in the Eastern MA region. There's about 20 dogs here right now. We also have dogs in Maine, New York, um, New Hampshire, New Jersey, bunch of different regions. I think there's some out in out west somewhere in the midwest there's fewer over there we're definitely more of an east coast organization but there are a few branch out organizations elsewhere so the goal of the the puppy raiser is to socialize the dogs to give them house manners basic skills so every two weeks the puppies go to puppy class where all the dogs get together and we practice our skills and we get homework for the next two weeks 
There's about three classes a day on these days, and they divide them up by age group. So we have the the puppy class, which is the babies, whoever's the youngest at the time, the teenagers, which is kind of like middle of the age group right now. That's our are around our six months olds, and then the big kids, which are the the year to the year and a half to two years family. Those they kind of divide them up because the little puppies can't do what the big kids are doing, so they have to, you know. It's the same course for everyone, but they adjust it to the skill level of the dogs that they're dealing with at the certain time. The, the classes also will go on outings where everyone goes to a store and practices our social skills there. Like we'll go to Home Depot or we'll go walk around the mall. Um, one year we went to Spirit Halloween and had the puppies just sit and watch like all the animatronics. That way they weren't freaked out if they were trick-or-treating and like something jumped out at them. They were prepared that oh, there's like weird noises and flashing lights and like fast moving things. And like you start from a further distance away until they get comfortable with it. And then you kind of can move them closer and they can check it out until they're comfortable. And they're like, okay, yeah, like I I know what that is. I've seen it before. Doesn't bother me now. That's kind of like the entire goal of puppy raising is just expose them to as much as physically possible so that there's nothing that they really haven't experienced once they go out with their owner in the real world. And if there is something new, they're like, I've got enough knowledge of the world that I'm like, I know how to handle this situation. They do a lot of holiday parties. So we've got a Halloween party coming up and all the puppies are going to come dressed up. They do a Christmas party, which is like a potluck. Everyone brings cookies and food. And we do Secret Santa, dog themed, of course. So everyone brings Secret Santa for the different pups and has them trade toys and treats they get a dog vest that says that they are a guide dog in training. And depending on the state, guide dogs can have the same, or guide dogs in training can have the same rights as a full service dog. So in Massachusetts, where I'm from, even though they're a guide dog in training, they have complete rights of a full service dog. They can go in restaurants, they can go on planes, they can go on trains, they can go anywhere a full service dog can go. And I have to say, like with the whole issue of the emotional support dogs, um, it's becoming a big problem for service dogs only because now people are getting confused with what's the difference between a service dog and an emotional support dog. And they're getting mislabeled. And now service dogs aren't getting the same respect or the same treatment as they used to get and are having a harder time bringing them out in public because a lot of stores will give a hard time to emotional support dogs because a lot of them aren't fully trained. They don't know what they're doing. They'll bark, they'll pee, they'll do whatever. And they just see a dog walking in and they'll immediately give us a hard time, which is really frustrating because our dogs are fully trained, bred for this, and it's hard to fully expose them if they're not actually able to go out everywhere. So it's just something that, I don't know, it bothers me. So food for thought. So you're raising a guide dog and you're going away on vacation. They actually have a sitter program that you can trade your dog with another sitter in the area and they will watch it while you're away and they'll still go to puppy class, still get trained. It's a really nice program because you don't have to pay to board them, especially for me because I'm young. I don't have a ton of money to spend on a daycare or kennel it's really nice to have the organization to help me with that and take care of that and it doesn't get in the way of my vacations 
Sometimes they'll even do a puppy swap where another raiser who's raising a dog currently and you will trade dogs for the week. That way they get even more exposure to different people's lifestyles. Like I know the way that I live is completely different than a mom with four kids. Like that, her life is completely different than my life. My life's a lot more mellow. It's just me. My house is quiet. So I'm sure that would have a lot different exposure of something that I can't show my dogs. They make sure that they get all of that training in. We actually have a lot of college kids raising. They find it's really a good environment for the dogs to go to college just because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of downtime, a lot of sitting, a lot of class time, and that's what most of our dogs will be doing is most of the time they are just sitting next to their handler and being well-behaved. It's also a very bustling environment. There's a lot of um, loud, chaotic things that can help you know, help the puppy conquer some fears. Like I said, when I was in high school, I co-raised with my mom, so it wasn't just me. We split the responsibility. And a lot of people that do have busy lives, whether they're in college or they are in high school or they just can't commit to having a dog all the time, they do co-raise. They will assign you a co-raiser or you can bring your own co-raiser. There's also people that just start puppies that um, they'll have them from eight weeks to three to six months and just get them going. A lot of people don't want to deal with the puppy stage. They don't want to worry about housebreaking them or taking them out in the middle of the night. So for those people, they do start some puppies if you want to get a dog that's not itty-bitty. Personally, I love the itty-bitty babies. I'm very happy with my itty-bitty baby right now. She's cute as a button. I did put her in her crate, though, because she was chewing her bed. And I don't want her to chew her bed because I can't afford to buy another one. So when the puppy reaches two years old, because we have them from eight weeks to a year and a half to two years, so once they're done with all of our puppy classes and they think they're ready to go to puppy college in New York, back at the campus that I was telling you about, they go for their dog training exam. Like I said, this is what patients took. This is what she flunked at. They work them through every single bit of knowledge that they should have up until that point, and they see how they handle them, and they do a bunch of medical tests, making sure that they're healthy, that they're capable um, of being a guide dog. If they pass this, then they go in for what we call as in-for-training, IFT. This takes about six months. They'll work with their trainers in depth. They'll get their harness, um, and then they'll get their eventual owner and they'll work with their owner so that they learn their commands together. They learn to work as a unit. They learn to trust each other. That whole process is done on the campus. They have rooms for the puppies. They have rooms for their owners. It's like, it really is like a whole college campus. So if the dog does fail its guide dog test, then it can go to different organizations. We've got um, friends at the bomb sniffing organization. We've got friends at autism or they can go to the breeding program and they'll work there for like, I think two years and they'll match them with a bunch of other dogs and start having more puppies. If none of the other programs want them and they are released as a pet, the dog trainer, the razor has the dog raiser has first refusal of them. So 
like I said, like when patients flunked out, they gave us a call. They said, we can't take her. She's anxious. Nobody else will take her. She's anxious. We're releasing her as a pet. Do you want her? We, of course, said yes. However, if we had said no, she'd be put up for grabs and there's a lottery of a bunch of people that are waiting to get guide dogs that fail out. It's a really long waiting list. It's a lottery and they'll just pull a name out of the hat and they will be able to get a fully trained guide dog that just can't, like, they're perfectly trained, fully trained. They just aren't meant to be a working dog and that's perfectly fine. When we dropped off our first dog, Dina, at Puppy College, we got a tour of the whole campus. And I have to say, it like it's so funny there. It's, it is really big, but they did have this room that was tucked aside, and it said Puppy Massage Room. And I asked them what they did in there, and they said, oh, we basically just have volunteers come in and just pet the dogs. That's all it is. They go for 30 minutes a day, and they just get calm, slow cuddles for 30 minutes. And that's a volunteer position. You can just go in and cuddle dogs. They have playrooms, they rotate their toys every few days so they never get bored. They each, all the dogs get their own little room. So they're like, this is like their dorm room and it has their picture and their name on the wall. They get a roommate, it's very cute. And there's also like a hallway with like little like hotel style rooms for the the blind people when they come in for training to, to be matched with their dog. They are also personality matched with their dog. So I said like, I get matched as a razor with the dog based on my energy levels, my lifestyle, my personality, which is probably why my dog's absolutely crazy. They do that as well for the blind people and they'll try to match them with a good fit for them, which I think is honestly great. Like how else can you get a better dog if someone's not being like, oh no, we've, we've seen her, we've spent time with her and you were a good fit. I think it's awesome. Like you can go to a a breeder or a kennel and just pick out any random dog, but to have one be like this, no, we've, we interviewed you, we've interviewed the dogs and you guys are a match. It's literally matchmaking, but with dogs, they also match them on how fast they walk. My mom raised Dina for the most part, like I said, and my mom's a really fast walker. So then Dina was a really fast walker. So they pretty much matched her based on how fast the blind handler walked and she eventually had to slow down because Dina was a fast walker and that wasn't something we really thought about when we were training her we just figured that this is how fast we walk this is how fast we walk but there's like a lot of things that you're presented with to to think about from a blind person's perspective that you wouldn't normally have to consider of oh they probably walk slower than we do where I lived in New York my mom just likes to speed walk we've got a lot of hustle in our step guide dogs when they're with their owners aren't going to be walking that fast so just something something that we now have to think about after they go in for training they have a puppy graduation so there's a graduating class for the their owners with their dogs they get a diploma, they do a photo shoot with them in a cap and gown. And my mom and I and my family went to go see Dina's graduation. And, you know, they set it up with like a stage and all the chairs facing it, just like a regular graduation. And the the graduates process in and we're sitting there. And as soon as Dina walked in and she saw my mom, she could just see her like head whip. She's like, she knew that like 
we were in the room. And like, of course, it's hard to give them up. Like we definitely cried. It was definitely emotional because you do bond with this dog. You do get attached to this dog, but you just have to remind yourself that they are going to a a good organization. They're going to a good home. They're going to make a difference. They're an important dog. And it's, it's really so rewarding. Like, of course, it's heartbreaking. I've only had this dog for three days and I'm attached to her. But I just know that she's going to do such good things. So we were able to meet Dina's owner. Her name's Grace. She's from Hong Kong. She works in the government. Um, we got email updates for her from a while, for a while. And now we're... Um, I might have them look her up in the organization just to see if there's any updates on what's going on with her. But like I said, she's probably retired now because this was 10 years ago. But her owner was so sweet. She gave us all hugs. She explained to us like what it's like to be blind. She said that she can see light and she can see darkness. So if there's like a figure standing in front of a window, like she'll be able to see that there's a person there, but she won't be able to make out anything so I guess it's kind of like like looking through like a blanket like if you put a sheet over your head like you can tell when there's like where the light source is coming from and you can tell like where objects are bigger objects but small details um not at all and she also had sight when she was younger and lost her sight as she got older so I think that might also help her but she was very capable, very successful, very impressive woman, very sweet, very grateful. Um, and like, again, like, like I said, like it's hard to give her up, but meeting her, meeting Grace, seeing how they work together, seeing how much Dina cared for her and like took ownership of her was really good to see. We actually have a a friend who lives part-time in Hong Kong, and she said she saw a news segment about a guide dog working in the government, and it was a, a yellow lab, and my she showed it to my mom, and my mom's like, oh my God, that's our dog. She's like, no way. And my mom's like, yeah, that's our dog. We raised that dog, the one that they're doing the news segment on that's working in the government as a guide dog. That's our dog. So again, like you can be, I'm just like so proud of her. It's so... It's honestly incredible that like something that my family did is making that big of an impact and so I'm excited to do it again. So Quartet is obviously a weird name. No one's no one's doubting that. Patience, weird name. Dina, you know, I feel like there's better options out there. Now, when I first got patience, like I absolutely was like, okay, like that's weird. Like it's not a name. Now I don't even think of it as a word. It's just her name. Like she just owns it. It's like, that's patience. Quartet, I'm still like wrapping my head around. Like I say it and I'm like, that's a four person band. But eventually I'm sure it'll like become her, become her name. She'll grow into it. I'll grow into it. But the way they do that is each litter that's born is a different letter of the alphabet. They go from A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So quartet is the Q litter, patience was the P litter, Dina was the D litter, and they try to give them all unique names so that when they're out in public, they don't get confused with another dog walking by. You're not going to call a guide dog Luna, you're not going to call a guide dog Cooper, those dogs are going to be like one in a million at the dog park, like they're going to get confused, you give them a unique name so they don't get distracted, they know when you're speaking to them. So quartet from the Q litter 
some of her siblings. I was looking it up just to see what her family is like. And her brothers and sisters are called Quiz, Quinna, Cubert, and Quake. And I have to say, they do a pretty decent job for one, having to come up with weird letter names and be finding some cute, unique names. Some of the cute names we have right now that are in classes, there's a cowboy. I think that's adorable dog name. 10, like the number 10, like T-E-N. I think that's cute. We had Boulder. I liked Boulder. That was a fun one. Um, so yeah, they just come up with really fun names for them. She has a a blonde mom and a black dad. So she's a little bit, she's definitely blonde, but she's a little bit of a darker blonde, I'd say. All of our other labs, I feel like, have been pretty white labs, and she's definitely got a little bit more golden coloring to her. So Guiding Eyes raises labs and German Shepherds. And the German Shepherds, like, you only get those if you're a really good raiser. That's like a sign that, like, you know what you're doing because they're definitely more on the stubborn side. They used to raise Goldens, but they had a lot of health problems and didn't live as long, so they switched to just the labs and the German Shepherds. It used to be pretty much all labs, but now they're bringing back more German Shepherds. And they're really specific about their gene pools, and they have a lot of, like, very scientific about it and making sure that they're breeding the best possible dogs. They do all of their breeding in-house. They have them to be very smart. They, like, lean, tall labs, like... I know a lot of people have like short, stubby, fat labs. Like these are not that type of labs. These are like long, sexy, supermodel labs. Since they are going to be guide dogs and going into someone else's house, we have to raise them to be super, super polite. They can't just act like a pet. So they have a lot of unique rules that they have to follow so that they can adjust to whoever's lifestyle they end up in. So, for example, they ha- we call it four on the floor. They have to have four feet on the ground at all times. No jumping, no going on the furniture. Because, you know, like you might let your family pet go on the furniture, but you don't know if the owner that they're going to end up with is going to want a dog on the furniture. They might be a no-animal-on-the-furniture household, and you don't want their brand-new guide dog hopping up on things. They, that needs to be their choice. Of course, if they want to change that later, they absolutely can. What dog is not going to turn that down? They're also not allowed to have people food. Again, they don't want the dog becoming accustomed to begging for snacks, always getting a bite off the dinner plate, and then having their owner not want to do that. Of course, again, something that the owner can change later if they feel differently, but that's just how we have to raise them to be successful. They're not allowed to go and greet people without permission. So if you're walking your dog, like your pet, and they're saying hi to like every single dog they walk by, every single person they walk by, they're just a social butterfly. It's great. It's cute. I love my dogs like that. But the guide dogs need to be focused on their handler. They can't be so interested in everything else going on. So they need special permission to go and say hi. So you, you say, go say hi. And that a note allows the dog to know that they're free to go greet everyone and then usually at the point that they get it they are not super interested in other people like they'll kind of walk over to them and let them pet them but a lot of the dogs you can kind of tell they're like okay let me go back to my handler like you're not that cool my my owner's the coolest so I don't need to say hi to you male dogs aren't allowed to pee with their legs up which I thought was interesting when I first joined the organization only because it encourages marking their territory and a lot of dogs will just like walk along, sniffing everything, and that's a big distraction. Again, they need to be focused on their handler. The handler is supposed to be the most interesting thing in the world to them. 
They have a list of approved toys. There's certain toys they can't have just because they're known for for breaking or causing health problems. They're very specific about what dog toys are safe. Crate training is really important. It's supposed to be their happy place. It's like their bedroom. Like a lot of us would be perfectly happy spending all day laying in our bed. Like no one bother me. I'm just going to lay here and rot. Like that's what their crate should be like to them. It's not a punishment. It's just their quiet, calm place where they can decompress. When they're outside of their crate, they're working the entire time. They're like, even when they're told that they can relax and chill, like they always have like one eye on you and they're kind of keeping, keeping your, you in their periphery, knowing what you're doing at all times. So they can't chill. When they go in their crate, that's when they can like really like relax and decompress and not have to worry about anything else. It's really good for them. We can't have them pulling on a leash. We have to have a loose leash only. And they have to spend a lot of time checking in with their handlers. So they'll like walk a little bit, turn and look at you. Walk a little bit, turn and look at you. That's what you want. There's a lot of commands they have to learn. Sit, down, stand, stay, heel, over, like lay on your back. Um, they have to be comfortable with weird touching. So like you have to play with their ears, you have to play with their toes, you have to play with their teeth and their tail so that if they ever go to the vet, they're comfortable with being touched. If they're out in public and like a little kid comes up to them and like pulls their tail, they need to not freak out. Like again, that's like that's not what we're going for, but they need to not be stressed about that. They need to be prepared for every, anything and be calm and cool and collected in any situation. No barking. These dogs are going to be going out in public areas where normal dogs aren't normally allowed, so they have to be respectful and quiet and fly under the radar and not cause a scene. Guiding Eyes loves a sleepy dog. Like I said, these dogs spend the majority of their time just chilling next to their handler. Like, think about your day. You're at school, you're studying, you're going to work, and you're sitting at a desk, or you're like, you may be walking around, of course, when you're walking, your dog will be right next to you, but for the majority of the time, if you're sitting watching TV, they will just be laying at your feet. That's what they want. They just want a dog just, like, flopped over, sleeping, chewing on a bone, laying at your feet. That's, like, the gold standard. We're not allowed to get them neutered or spayed until they get released from the program because they're not sure if they want to keep them for breeding yet. Also, if you do take them home as a pet, then they get them fixed because they don't want you breeding these dogs. These dogs are like $70,000 dogs. They put a lot of money into these dogs. She's a designer pup. They can't have you just taking those genes willy-nilly and spreading them everywhere. If they tell you that you have to move the dog to a new handler... If they say, we don't think she's a good fit for you anymore, we're moving her, we, you're leaving the state, like you got to give the dog back. Like you, They really remind you that this isn't your dog, it belongs to the organization, um, and you don't have like a huge say in her. You are doing this as a volunteer opportunity, you're giving back. You're having this dog for a short period of time. It's like long-term pet sitting. You know it's not your dog. You're raising it for someone else. And eventually it's going to go to them. It really is such a good organization. Like I'm, I'm super passionate about it, obviously. I've been talking about it for 30 minutes. I, I don't know. It just makes me really happy. I love the people. The people are all really nice and sweet and down-to-earth. I love the dogs. I love being around it. I love that it's active. I like that it doesn't, like it does, it's definitely a time commitment, but a lot of it just like meshes into my daily life. Like it's not something that I have to take like a specific 
full hour out of my day every single day to do. It's like a little like 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, whenever I have time in between things, I, I work with her. Um, so I'm just really excited to see what adventures um, Quartet and I are going to get into and to see what she'll do, whether it's become a guide dog or an autism dog or a mom sniffing dog or a breeder or if she's going to be my forever pet. Not a clue, but I'm really happy to be getting back into this. Um, I took a break from it for for college because I went to New York. And, you know, I just felt like I've been missing some volunteer in my life. That's just something I grew up with. It's something that was really important to my family that we always had a way of giving back to our community. And now that I'm on my own, I had a little bit more free time. I live alone. So I was like, I really want like a buddy in the house. Like I need something to keep me company. And I think that this program is going to be a really good fit. Anyway, I hope this was interesting. I hope that you are... I don't know. I hope that everyone can find some way to give back to your communities, especially in like whatever way you're interested. Like dogs are something I'm passionate about, but whatever your thing is, I think it's important to at least a few times a year find a way to to help others out. But I hope you all have a fantastic week. Abby will be back next week. We look forward to seeing you then. Anyway, okay, bye. Love you. (laughs) 